Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday, August 30th. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm in Santa Monica, California. And on Skype with me is my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. How's everything down there, Jewel? Well, Liz, I still, I still am, I'm so new to me that you're on the Tuesday show. Tuesdays. I don't know what, it's like, what are you doing on the Tuesday show? <laughs> Tuesdays rock. But where, where is Leon? <laughs> but I'm, ha- I'm happy, Liz. I'm happy uh, to be here with you. I am just clinging to the end of summer as yeah. hard as I can. And I have made myself a list of summertime activities from eating watermelon to taking a swim to applying large amounts of sunscreen. Just, I'm, I'm going to do it all during this final week oh, and okay. weekend of summer. Yes. Well, I, I actually have a summer activity suggestion for you then. Oh. Sleep in a tree, Julie. It's what? The, it's the latest thing. Hammocking, sleeping in a tree. It's the latest thing. I, I have the how to sleep in a tree list that you've been looking for so you can sleep in a tree before the summer is over. Okay, Liz, did, I didn't know I wanted to do that, but I like to stay up on trends, so I, I look forward to hearing all the details. Well, I'll tell you all about it. I know we have a lot to talk about today. We did want to mention uh, Gene Wilder. Um, you know, what What a lovely, great guy. I know. There's mm. just wonderful movies. What I a great know. actor. You know, just, uh, you just had a, I mean, obviously I didn't know him, but you just had a sense of that he had... Oh, you know, it was a great soul. Yes, that's that's yes, what I think. For sure. But I also have an update for you. You know, I am an Emmy voter and uh, the Emmy voting closed last night. So I have finished all of my voting. So I feel like you cannot influence me in any way about what I'm going to vote for. But as I was doing my Emmy voting, there's an obscure category for me in Emmy voting that has a lot of excellent material julie like i have some entertainment picks from this obscure i think it might be even be a brand new category but whatever things to do like tips on killing time on the internet i've got a really good list today based on the emmy nomination so how about that all right liz well that i mean first of all i'm just uh, of course impressed I, I mean i'm not surprised about this one that, that you're an Emmy voter because you're just one of those people that they would invite to vote on important. You know what? Picks. You know what? You don't even get invited. You just you just sign up. Uh, as long as you legitimately have a job in the television business, which I used to. Have, which I used to have. Oops. Well, I hope they're not listening to the podcast because they're going to pull your ballot, Liz. No, it's not okay. like the it's not like the Academy for Motion Picture Arts and Sciences where you get invited. Emmys, whatever. It's just TV. If you work in the TV business, you can vote on the Emmys. So uh, anyway, it's uh, but. Little did I know that there's all this TV that's happening not on TV that is definitely uh, worth watching. But you also have some entertainment picks and pants. Yes, uh, two picks this week. I have a great book I want to talk about, a, a great movie that I recommend everyone to see. And I finally, I saw a trailer of a movie 
that I am just panning. We are not, I'm not going to see this. Based okay? on the trailer. Based on the trailer. I, you know, from time to time, I make recommend movie recommendations. They're usually negative. If I don't like it, I, I like to speak up about it. But this movie looks terrible. Okay. <laughs> just terrible. Okay. I also have just one more key piece of back to school, back to college information. I heard something just so incredibly brilliant this past week. I have to pass it on to all satellite sisters, uh, particularly those that have sons uh, that are in college or going off to college. Okay. Which would include, of course, our sister Leanne. Oh, yes. Leanne. Mm -hmm. Listen up, Leanne. Mm -hmm. This is for Colin. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's let's go to the top of our list and just talk about Gene Wilder for a second. As you said, Julie, like such a magical person, such a lovely performer, just a like a sort of sweetness and a quirkiness and a light uh-huh. to him. And I think also many women I know feel even more positively about Gene Wilder because he was married to Gilda Radner. So yeah, you know. that's so true, Liz, you know, yeah. again, we don't, we don't know these people in real life. No. We don't know what their like, like relationship was like, but they just, they see that seems so lovely when yes. the two of them were together. And I felt so sad for him when yes. Gilda died and just, uh, yeah, and I and I love Willy Wonka and the Cho- uh, Chocolate Factory. Which Who doesn't? I, yes, Who doesn't? yes. Well, he died over the weekend, and it was interesting to read in the coverage um, that he died of the complications related to Alzheimer's. Oh, see, and, I didn't know that, Liz. Yeah. I have to say, I didn't read any of the obits, so I, I saw that he passed, but I, I didn't know that. Oh. Well, the reason you didn't know that, Julie, is because he decided and his family decided not to tell anyone. And I thought that this was really interesting, their reasoning why. And I heard his nephew on the radio last night talking about it, and it was also in the written statement that the nephew issued. He decided he didn't want people to know because when he was out in public and kids would see him, kids would just light up because there's Willy Wonka, right? Yes, yes. Like the fact that you could be in a restaurant or in a park or in any kind of public place and Willy Wonka would be there was just gave children great joy. And it uh-huh. gave Gene Wilder great joy to see children reacting that way to him uh, throughout his life after he made Willy Wonka. And he decided he didn't want the adults in their life, when the kid is all like excited about seeing Willy Wonka, he didn't want to think that an adult in their life would lean over and either say to the child or say to another adult uh, who was there, oh, you know, it's so sad. He has this disease called Alzheimer's. And he just thought it would be so crushing for kids to hear that Willy Wonka was sick that he didn't want anyone to know. Isn't that interesting? Oh, that he was really trying to protect the child's experience. Yeah, just the magic of it all. Yeah. Just just the magic of it all. And last night, uh, James Corden told a lovely story about Gene Wilder. You know, I just love that show, The Late Late Show. I'm not going to give away who I voted for in that category, but (laughs) I just love James Corden. Uh, I I discovered him, Liz, but yes, carry on. on. And uh, anyway, he said one time he was in New York um, uh, doing a play, and he didn't say what it was, but it must have been that British play he was in, like yeah, uh, two, governors. two governors. Yes, yes, yes. Which I saw, Liz. Okay, I saw that. Okay, I, I 
it was on to Cutting James Burch so early. Okay, go ahead. Carry on. So he didn't name the play, but that must have been the play because it was on Broadway, you know, years ago. And he said, you know, people come backstage to see you and, you know, they'll say hello for five minutes, maybe 10 minutes, but that's it. Uh, but when he heard that Gene Wilder was in the audience, he said, me most of all, but everyone in the whole cast was just besides himself. Because if you're ever really going to want to be at your tip top funniest, it is when Gene Wilder is in the audience. And he said that he came backstage after the show and didn't spend five minutes with him or 10 minutes with him, but sat with him for 30 minutes, just talking to him about his family and how they were adjusting to living in New York and how was everything going. And so James said he was such a lovely, lovely person, just the way you would want him to be, that when they started the Late Late Show last year, you know, the opening sketch featured Willy Wonka. And that the golden ticket being the job as the host of the Late Late Show. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I didn't realize that. So he said he wrote to Gene Wilder to ask him if he would want to be in that opening sketch on his opening episode. And he didn't say this last night, but obviously at that point, I mean, this was only a year ago. If he had Alzheimer's, you know, it it was obviously more advanced. And uh, anyway, so the, but nobody knew that. So he said, I emailed him and I got back this note and he said, it's still like the loveliest turn down I have ever gotten in my career in show business. He just wrote, Dearest James, I don't do or go where you were hoping, but I'll be looking for you, Jean. Oh. Oh. You know? Yeah. It's just so yeah. and what he said last night on the show, he said, it even sounds like Willy Wonka, you know? Even yeah. though to me it sounds like someone really struggling with his use of the language, right? right. Which we right. experienced with our father. But anyway, Gene Wilder, just a lovely person and leaves behind just a beautiful body of work. So if you're, you know, killing time on the internet this week like I am. <laughs> you know, yes, we, we have to get into that. <laughs> you might want to might want to check out a few of the, the I pieces know. of work. some great great movies. Just just uh, just yes. enjoy. That's yes. uh, that's so that's it. sad. Yeah, that is sad. Well, another you know headline that is sad, but in a very different way. I mean, uh, I I think you know our satellite sisters, our condolences go out to Huma Abedin. I mean, that's uh, yesterday when that story broke, I came through on my Twitter feed that Anthony Weiner had again been caught in a sexting scandal. I thought I I thought I was being tricked by the Internet again, Liz, you know, you know, from time to time I get tricked by the Internet. I I can't believe everything I read. I was like, oh, it must be a mistake or something that he couldn't. This couldn't possibly be the third time after he's already blown up his congressional career, blown up his run for, you know, mayor. Uh, he's a, a father of, of a child now. And so, but that is very sad news. Very so sad, very sad news for that family, you know, to have such a public struggle uh, that obviously it's, there's some real issues there and to have it play out in such a, you know, hugely public way that is now, connected with the political campaigns i mean it's that's that is a lot of heartbreak that's a lot of heartbreak exactly a lot of heartbreak and really makes you think that what seemed maybe in the first round to just be like foolish behavior 
right. is now in round three, some kind of sickness, you know, yeah. Yeah, some definitely. very serious sickness. I, I know. And, you know, I had been invited to go see the documentary about Anthony Weiner. Did you see that, Liz? Uh, I did not. The one called Weiner? Wiener, yes, and it, you know, it was getting very good reviews and people, you know, and that, but I, I didn't want to go see it because I, you know, because of Anthony Wiener. I didn't want to encourage anything he was doing and, uh, uh, and I declined to go see that. But I mean, that again, you know, he was in some ways because he was getting a positive reviews of this documentary about his life. That it was sort of his comeback, you know, he was, you know, he's survived two sex scandals. He was working as a columnist for, you know, a couple of newspapers in New York. And now this terrible, just terrible. No, I know when, when you see today's New York Post headline and it's Huma cuts off Wiener, you just know that this, that that third third strike. I feel guilty even finding that funny. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay, now I'm sorry I repeated it. Okay. I hadn't heard that. I didn't see that, Liz. Okay. 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 Uh, So moving on to other parts of the entertainment world. Yes. Um, So as I mentioned, I am an Emmy voter, and last night was the deadline for – for voting, because the Emmys, I think they're like September 17th or 18th, they come up pretty quickly. So the uh, uh, so you get your ballot, on, all the voting is online, and they also have samples of each of the shows and each of the nominees online too, because you're really acquired by the rules of the Academy to watch this stuff and have a thoughtful voting process, not just vote for the things you work on and your friends work on. So, <laughs> although it's, it seems a lot like, you know, uh, voting for, uh, you know, titles in a high school yearbook that you just yes. vote for your friends <laughs> and you vote for, you know, the popular kids, yes. and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, that's why it's fun, Julie, that there are some newer categories or less obvious categories where you actually get exposed to stuff that you didn't see otherwise or a couple of these things I had heard about but I had never really watched but because I try to be a thoughtful Emmy voter um, I watched as many of these things as I could and I have a little time on my hands so uh, so, so you've been it sounds extensive Liz to watch all the nominees it actually, well you know I felt like in the categories I knew like best comedy and best drama I don't need to rewatch episodes from all of those shows because I'm familiar with all of those shows. Okay. But here's a category where the, the nominees in it uh, I had not seen. And this is what I want to recommend to people. If you have time to kill on the Internet, <laughs> the things that are uh, in the category outstanding short form variety series. So – you probably don't even know what qualifies. I don't. I, I, I don't. Can't think of anything that no, would fall in that no, category. No. This is what you know. The kids today are all those kids that don't have cable TV. This is yeah. what they're watching, Julie. So, okay. uh, so I got to say, there are some things here that I would totally, totally recommend. So I'm going to take you through the nominees for outstanding short form variety series, so that you can, in your own time at home, um, watch these. The first is a YouTube show called. Epic Rap Battles of History. And Uh 
it is hilarious. It's epic rap battles of history. So it's well-known historical figures. Some are made up, some are real. And they're just, it's a rap battle. They're battling against each other. And, uh, and then in the show, the viewers get to decide who's won, uh, who won and who's next. So that is an excellent one that I would recommend. The next one I had never even heard of, but this is one hilarious uh, show. It's on Funny or Die, and it's called Gay of Thrones. Have you ever seen Gay of Thrones? <laughs> no, I have. I haven't seen Game of Thrones. Thrones. Okay. So no. what is so gay? Game of Thrones is obviously the hit show on HBO, right? Right. Which, which I I do not watch because right. I don't like fantasy and I don't like violence and I certainly don't like violent fantasy. Uh, so, okay. uh, but I'm familiar with Game of Thrones. And certainly we all know everyone talks about Game of Thrones all the time. But Gay of Thrones is a, is a Game of Thrones recap show. So uh-huh. every week there's a host. His name is Jonathan Van Ness. And he styles a different guest's hair. So imagine you're sitting in his chair and you and he are talking about this week's episode of Game of Thrones. And uh, so it's what they described as an LGBT perspective on Game of Thrones. Okay. But, uh, I got to say, hilarious. That was very, very funny. I might actually keep watching Gay of Thrones, even though I never watched Game of Thrones. Okay. Okay. Then this one I had seen before. Have you ever seen Honest Trailers on YouTube? No, I haven't. No, no. I'm writing this all down, Liz. This is all new to me. This is, well, this is why I thought I would share this obscure category with people. Because Outstanding Short Form Variety Series, there is some comedy gold in here, Julie. Comedy gold. So Honest Trailers, super funny. It's just trailers that tell you the truth about movies or TV shows. So they sort of make fun (laughs) of the shows themselves. They mock the stars. It's just, it's a really clever concept. Okay, that sounds fun. Yeah, it's sort of. And the one that they, uh, you know, you have to enter the Emmys and you send in a particular episode for uh, for your entry. And the one that they uh, sent in as their entry is Deadpool. And uh, and Ryan Reynolds is actually in the Honest Trailer, which is uh-huh. unusual. Normally they just mock the stars, but he actually appeared in his own Honest Trailer. Okay, the next one, you know... James Franco's got something going on. You know, he's just like just enough of a funny, weird dude that I'm just going to have to watch more of James Franco. So this show is called Making a Scene with James Franco. And it's on AOL, which who even knew AOL still existed? I didn't. Uh, I mean, I guess I did, but I certainly didn't watch anything on AOL. So this is, uh, so it's James Franco reinterpreting iconic tv moments and characters uh but it's their mashups so the one that they entered uh it is they're pulling out um ping pong balls and he has to do a mashup of breaking bad and <laughs> sex in the city oh so how fun- I, I can't even think what what funny uh, is all i gotta say making a scene with james franco look it up online uh so this is season two who even knew there was a season i completely missed season one so just passing that along as an entertainment tidbit and then the last one in this category um another like oddball entertainer this is it's just called park bench with steve buscemi you know who Steve Buscemi is. I right? like Steve. I, I, he's an excellent actor. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, if you like Steve Buscemi, and who doesn't, right? He's just uh-huh. like, uh, so it's really just 
Steve Buscemi on a park bench in New York, talking to average New Yorkers, but also to his celebrity friends. And there's always some kind of adventure. And uh, so it's Steve Buscemi telling you about life in New York, sitting on a park bench with New Yorkers. And that is also on AOL. So, ha, huh, who knew? <laughs> AOL. Got to fire it up. I get that. Welcome back. Where, where, you, been, where you been, AOL? So, um, so there you go, Julie. That is my uh, review of the outstanding short form variety series at the Emmys. So, who did you vote for, or which which show? Did you, you know, I I think one of the rules might be you're not supposed to talk about who you voted for, or maybe that's the Oscars. I don't know. Anyway, oh, so you're not telling us? I'm you're not just going to leave you. us in suspense. I'm going to leave okay. you in suspense. How about we do this? How about you watch these? Okay. And then next week we can talk about who would you vote for if you were a voter. And then it really will be so exciting when the Emmys roll around because then we'll be rooting for someone, Julie, in an, <laughs> in an otherwise obscure category that we didn't care about <laughs> at all. They probably don't even announce this at the, at the Emmy show. Oh, Let's... you know what? You're right. Yeah. So there's no point in me watching. But I, I mean, I would like to go see the trailer show, Honest Trailers. I wrote that down. That yes. looks, that sounds funny. That oh, sounds amusing. I'm not sure I have as much time as you do, Liz. <laughs> Troll the internet. Make time, Julie. I'm telling you, make time. This is the future of entertainment. This is what the kids are watching. This is why the kids are not watching TV. Okay. Okay, Liz. So okay. Maybe you don't care about that, but being in the TV or formerly being in the TV business, <laughs> I kind of care. What are people watching since they're not watching TV? Did you see that Sunday night's Video Music Awards, which is a show I always watch, the MTV VMAs, the ratings were down like 127% or something crazy. It was just like, nobody watches TV anymore, Julie, if you're yeah. that age. so And I don't think they watch videos like those anymore. I mean, right? I mean, that's... I don't know. We'll have to... We, I don't, we don't know. But okay. But people aren't watching TV. They're all over at AOL. Okay. We got to get there. Or you know what? It will come up later on. They're sleeping in trees, Julie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, Liz, I did. I was not selected for the Emmy, Emmy committee or anything like that. I just went to the movies and uh, all by, you know, and I want with Which my Which is husband. also delightful. It's a delightful That is experience. delightful. That's still a good activity. And I want to wreck. I have some picks and pants. And so my first pick is a smaller movie, but I'm sure it's in L.A., and I hope with word of mouth and with some buzz that this will get some national rollout. It's called Hell or High Water. Have you heard about this movie? No. Okay, Hell or High Water is the name of the movie, and it stars Chris Pine, totally, oh, adorable, yeah. totally adorable Chris Pine, Ben Foster, he's excellent, yeah. and Jeff Bridges is in this movie. Oh. And this is a modern-day Western. It features two brothers, okay, and it's set in West Texas. I mean, it is so about Texas. It's great that way. But you don't have to be from Texas okay, to good. this movie. And the whole thing is great. The acting, the script, the cinematography. I mean, everybody is great in this movie. So you are rooting for some bad guys, okay, but just, you know, Chris Pine... And Ben Foster, I, I just can't go into it too much because I don't want it because it, yeah. this movie actually has a plot. It has oh, plot resolution, nice. it has motivation, it has drama, it has emotion. Okay, so it's all together. And the, all the supporting actors and actresses are excellent in this okay. movie. All right. 
Hell or high water. Hell or high water. Well, I'll put this in the show notes, which are always at SatelliteSisters.com. So if you're driving right now and couldn't write down any of my hilarious tips or Julie's hell or high water recommendation, it's always uh, on our website, SatelliteSisters.com. Okay, good, Julie. I will, yes, put, you, I will add that to I my list. I know you would like I mean, it's just, you know, lately I've seen a lot of movies and maybe it has good acting, but it has a lousy script or, you know, it just or it doesn't all come together. This is all together. It's not. It's not a big movie, you know. It's not. It, but it's. It's a very satisfying, solid movie. Okay. So I with a super cute Chris Pine in it, which is normally. If I heard something was a western, I would just be out. I. I know. I know that. So that's. Uh, but it's. It's modern. It's. It's. It, and it's there. Uh, no horses involved. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, a couple. Maybe. No. No. Just trucks. <laughs> just trucks. No horses. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. The second that I want to recommend is um, Jeffrey. T- this is my another pick is Jeffrey Tubin. You know him. He's the CNN analyst, legal analyst, and he writes for the New Yorker. He has a new book out called American Heiress, the heiress, the wild saga of the kidnapping crimes and trial of Patty Hearst. I mean, have you, you, have you, you've heard about this yes, book? Yes, I've heard, I'm dying to read this book, Julie, because I've heard him do a couple of interviews on podcasts that I listen to. He's a really, really good writer, first of all. And he, and he also wrote OJ, The Ride of His Life or The Run of His Life, whatever it was, that became the FX series this past year, The People versus OJ. Right. And uh, the Patty Hearst story is fascinating, but it was kind of a long time ago now. It was. I mean, this was done. This happened in 1973. So it, it was a long time ago. And a key thing that you just have to wrestle uh, as a reader and even finishing the book, I feel that way, is that Patty Hearst did not participate in, in this book. She did not, you know, Jeffrey Tubin tried to contact her, contacted her th- for friends for permission to interview her. And she didn't give any interviews for this. So the material that he used was her own book. She wrote a biography about uh, about the book, as well as all of the transcripts from all of the trials and all of the FBI information. So, you know, I think Jeffrey Tubin tried very hard to present her point of view and to represent her point of view in all of the situations. And so it, it happened a long time ago, but when you going back, I mean, I remember this kidnapping. It was, it was the first of what was, you know, going to be, you know, a number of big gigantic, it was sort of pre OJ, yeah. but it was, you know, in that it had many of the elements that sort of came together. So there was celebrity involved because here she was, she was an heiress, you know, that it was, you know, these incredible crimes that no one believed. It sort of dovetailed at the time when they first were doing major media coverage like this. And, you know, as the book unfolds and the SLA members are like blown up in that giant shootout in Los Angeles, it's one of the first times that the local TV station where they were using handheld cameras so you could watch it on TV. Now, we all got used to watching like O.J. Simpson and that big situation, but this was a, you know, this was a precursor to that, you know, but it sort of all came together in this story. But, and, and I remember, you know, I remember it at the time, but now going back, I mean, she was only 19 years old and there is a very detailed account of the kidnapping 
it was really brutal mm-hmm. the way they broke in and they kidnapped her and her fiance that Steve Weed he ran away he didn't he didn't like stay, stay oh, really and, wow no he ran out of the house so but even even the boyfriend the you know the the fiance Steve Weed we all have images of seeing him at the press conferences I haven't thought about and, him in a while Joel that's I Steve know Weed all is- these names are going to come back to you Liz that Steve <laughs> Weed there he is but do you realize he was he was a Patty Hearst math teacher in high school? She had she had actually attended the same you know, sort of chain of high schools that we went to, Liz, uh-huh. the Convent of the Sacred Heart. And it hadn't really worked out for Patty at the Convent of the Sacred Heart. She was one of five girls. She was the middle sister. It didn't seem like they had a lot of structure going on at home. And there really was, because of all the wealth, there wasn't a lot of um, emphasis put on academic achievement or going to college or completing college. And it was the 70s, the 60s and 70s. So it seemed kind of loose. Patty was in the middle. She was, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I, I don't think she was a rebel, but she wasn't really focused on school. Uh, and so the nuns at Sacred Heart asked her to leave or, you know, I mean, I guess they don't really ask you to leave, but they thought she might do better at another school. So she went to this other girl's school in Northern California and Steve Weed was the math professor. And he's, they started having an affair, you know, while really, yes, yes. So they're having an affair. She finishes high school and then he is getting a graduate degree at Berkeley. So she moves in with him. Okay. And that, this is horrifying to her mother who is very proper. Patty's mother was very proper, very horrifying. And so they were really pressuring Steve and Patty to like get married, you know? And so when they got engaged, uh, this is why I'm telling this part of the story. When they got engaged, Patty's mother made a really big deal of it because finally, you know, things were proper again, even though she was living with her former math teacher in Berkeley, she was now properly engaged. So they put a Patty Hearst and Steve Weed's engagement announcement and pictures in both of the papers in San Francisco. And it was from that engagement picture that that's where the SLA members decided to kidnap Patty Hearst. Oh, wow. I never knew that. I I never knew that. So, I mean, so even if you feel like you know this story, they're like details like that, like, oh my gosh, how could that how could that happen? You know, right, or right. Oh, of all the chances. And then there is a lot of detail about, you know, was this, was this the Stockholm syndrome? Was she really, you know, I mean, there was certainly trauma. I mean, I think they does a good job of describing the trauma of being kidnapped. She was like kept in a closet with bl- a blindfold on, for a couple of weeks, uh, she certainly was emaciated. She wasn't, you know, it wasn't like they were, she was eating a balanced diet while she was kidnapping. But at some point, there was some turn where she then started participating in the bank, you know, in the bank robbery. Right. We all remember those famous photos. Now she's Tanya, right? Yes. Now she's Tanya. Tanya. She's wearing the black beret. She's right. robbing banks. It was an amazing news story. Yeah, it was. And, but so the all, and the FBI were absolutely could not find her. You know, they were like doing their best and, 
And, you know, even the ransom, you know, that the ransom was that the Hearst family was to start to feed all the poor in Oakland. And that went, you know, it just was crazy. That went, you know, didn't go well. They, the food distribution was, was, it was sort of botched. And at the time, the Hearst family didn't have that much cash. I mean, they were one of these super rich they families. They just got a castle. Yeah, they had castle. They had San Simeon. You know, they yeah. could go there. Um, but they couldn't, you know, but they couldn't go other places. And a little details like Patty was the only daughter that shared her father's passion or interest in hunting. So he used to take her, you know, hunting. And so she knew how to shoot a gun. Which oh obviously came, that came in handy as Tanya came in helpful when she turned into <laughs> Tanya. So I, I think Jeffrey still leaves, you know, that leaves the reader with you have to decide was, you know, she was convicted um, uh, of this, uh, but you have to decide, was she really coerced to how much did she participate in? Why didn't she run away when she had chances yeah. to do that? All of these questions, but I think he does a good, you know, that is unresolved. And the fact that she didn't participate in the book, I think leaves it, you know, I, I, I don't yeah. think you can resolve that issue. Yeah. I, I don't. Okay. I, I am, I am totally reading this. Yes. This, yeah, sounds, I, this sounds really, really great. And, uh, and just, and they're just, again, like F. Lee Bailey, he, he's, you know, he's running the trial. And because Jeffrey Tubin is a legal analyst, there's a lot, it's interesting about how the t- uh, trial worked. And then finally, how how her sentence sentence was commuted by Jimmy Carter, because um, the her in the her uh, Patty Hearst's father was a big Democratic supporter, and her mother was a big Republican supporter, if you can believe that. But it worked out. That was handy because. Um, because at, at certain points, Ronald Reagan was involved in, in helping the Hearst family. And Jimmy Carter commuted the sentence. She was sentenced to seven years in prison for her participation in the bank robbery. She only served for 22 months. And then Jimmy Carter wrote Bill Clinton, uh, and, and she got a presidential pardon on the last day that Bill Clinton was in office, that Jimmy Carter um, asked Bill Clinton to give Patty Hearst a, um, a part. Well, this story has everything, everything. It has everything for it, Liz. So uh, I want you to read it. It's okay. a good one. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, and what's the title of the book again? The title of the book is American Heiress, The Wild Saga of Kidnapping Crimes and Trial of Patty Hearst. Okay. So I think it leaves you with, you know, there's still the fundamental question, but just fascinating reading, fascinating details. Don't miss it. Okay. And finally, two, two my good pan. picks, Julie. Two good okay. picks. Two picks. Now I got a big pan. Okay. okay. This movie looks terrible. How this ever got made, I don't know. Florence Foster Jenkins, that movie <laughs> with Meryl Streep. Okay. It's a movie about a woman, an heiress, another heiress, who became an opera singer, even though she had a really bad voice. So I know Meryl Streep can act. I know she can wear period costumes and, you know, and that's all great. I know Hugh Grant's in it and he's really cute, but this sounds terrible. Why do you want to go see a movie about someone who can't sing? Okay. Julie, that is so funny that you say that because I've seen that trailer multiple times now. And every time I've kind of said to myself, I'm sorry, Meryl, I cannot go see this movie. (laughs) 
Yeah. I just, it just, look, like, why would I want to go see that story? There was nothing appealing to me about that story, even though I try to support the work of Meryl Streep. I know. I love Meryl Streep. I know. I, 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 two people this week said, oh, I'm going to see that movie this weekend. I was like, I'm, I zip it. I kept my mouth <laughs> shut. But that just looks terrible. Well, if, you, if you're listening and you've seen it and you want to convince Julie and I otherwise, you can send us an email that's sisters at satellitesisters.com or go to the Facebook group and post your review of this movie because I'm with you, Julie. I'm like, I could not be less interested in seeing this. Yeah, you and you have to be honest in your review. Okay, yeah. even if you like Meryl Streep, I want you to be honest about this movie. Okay, do not be kind. Don't be generous to her. She has like 100 Oscars, okay? So she can be in a bad movie. All right, there you go. Those are okay. my picks and pans. Okay, okay thank Liz, you. Very complete. Just, I, just off topic, but this is an important postscript. For those of you that are, you know, have just taken your sons and daughters to, uh, to college or about, or, you know, I know for many West Coast schools, they're, they're a little later, so it may be this weekend or coming up. I heard a great tip this week, and I think this, uh, who, this mother who thought this up, she deserves a Nobel Peace Prize for this. Okay, she has a high school, a college freshman, a, a, a son. And she, so, you know, one of the things you have to do, Liz, is you have to buy all, you know, their bedding. They have special bedding. You have to buy it for universities. All the beds are, you need these extra long sheets. That's, right. uh, I, okay, so you have to do that. So what this mother bought for her son is she bought him a comforter, and then she bought six fitted sheets because she figured that's about a term. So what she did when she took her son to school, she made up the bed, and she put all six fitted sheets on the mattress. So that way, this kid, <laughs> he just peels them off one at a time. Yeah. So every two weeks she said to him, all you have to do is peel one off. That it's, is genius. I'm going to start I, doing that here. Nobel, Nobel peace prize <laughs> for that mother. Is that the, I told, when I heard this, I was like, Leon, get on it. You have to get the six fitted sheets. Because she just recognized that her son was never going to do laundry. He was never going to change change his bed, bed. and that this this was the way to go. So okay, I like it. I like it. You're, that's a public service to pass that along. Okay, to all right. I'll post it. Okay, so I have a little bit of a sticky situation now. Let me start by saying it has resolved itself, but I wanted to get your point of view on. Am I correct to have been a little bit perturbed? You know? Okay. Um, so here's the scenario. And I'm going to slightly lower my voice. <laughs> Why? Why are you Because lowering? guess who guess who it involves? Is it your neighbor downstairs? Yes, Julie. You don't have to whisper. That's okay. <laughs> it's you, your neighbor downstairs. You, you can speak in full voice. Okay. Uh, okay. And if my voice is too low, you can just repeat what I said. Okay. So, so okay. listeners can hear. Okay. Here's the deal. Um, my my toilet handle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. The fact that that would be the topic. No, no. Okay. okay. I, I, actually, okay. I shouldn't have jumped to that. Let me start with this. Let me start with. The phone call I got last Monday morning, uh, it was probably, I don't know, 8.30, 9 a.m. I get a call from distraught downstairs neighbor trying to get to the bottom of a very, very, very serious situation. She said, there has just been like 
unusual amounts of water flowing through all of the pipes in the building <laughs> since early this morning. I've been down in the garage. I can't figure out what it is. It's just water coursing through the pipes. And it sounds like, you know, someone was taking a shower for like two hours or something terrible has gone wrong with the plumbing. And I'm like standing here like, well, not here. No. And she's like, well, I just, I was standing in the garage and it sounds like it's coming from your unit. Like it's inside your home. So I go into my bathroom and I notice that my toilet is running slightly, right? Okay. Like running slightly. Those are the keywords. Like not even, not even like flushing, but you know how sometimes. Just a little gurgling, a little gurgling. A gurgling. I would classify it as gurgling, Julie. Okay. Okay. And, uh, so when I jiggled the handle, the gurgling stopped. And uh, I said, well, my toilet was running, but that can't possibly fit the description of what you were just telling me, which is alarming amounts of water coursing through all of the pipes in the, in the building. And she's like, no, no, it just stopped. That was it. So, okay, so there you go. So now we've identified an issue that my toilet is running. Okay. And as we know, She's super sensitive to noise. So what was... She's she really targeted all of your plumbing. Yes, I mean, yes. one time it was your disposal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's your kitchen sink. Really, it's any time bathtub. I mean, it is all of the plumbing. So I, I, another time it was the... She identified... You know how when you're doing your laundry and yeah. the tub is filling in your washing machine? Yeah. And then when it cuts off the water and stops filling... You get this little bit of a clunk sound, you know, yeah. just, just the thing, the valve turning off. She's actually complained about that sound. Uh, so uh, anyway, so this is so much water coursing through the pipes. I can't figure out what's wrong. Turns out gurgling. That's what it is, gurgling. So I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I will be aware of that and, uh, and I'll get that fixed. And of course, I don't know how to fix that, but so I'm thinking, okay, I can figure out how to do this myself. So here's where we get into the, where I need your judgment. So over the next 48 hours, she called me four more times oh. about the exact same problem. Oh, like oh. anytime I used the toilet and it ran for more than like two minutes, the phone would ring. Here, here's my issue. Uh, and then I'll tell you how I resolved it because I'm actually okay. very, very proud of myself. Um, if if you and your neighbor had that kind of issue, if you if you identified that oh your toilet is running and I can hear it, so can you get that fixed? It seems to me then you know what the issue is, so you don't need to keep calling. Obviously, the person upstairs is on it and is figuring out how to get it fixed. That would be my assumption. The assumption here was. I need to call you every time it happens. What's up with that? <laughs> Honestly, like how much time do I have? And like a couple of times I walked away without jiggling. So that's all it was. I go back in, I jiggle, it stops. You could just not flush your toilet, Liz. I how know. about that? How no. about that? How would, your, how would your downstairs neighbor like that? Okay, now you're going to have to keep your voice down, Julie, because she's going to be able to hear that. So anyway, it just seemed like... The, if it was me, if the situation was reversed and I knew that we had identified the problem and the person was going to fix the problem, I wouldn't keep calling. I would just assume like, okay, any day now that's going to get addressed. 
So anyway. Uh, uh, right. I, I mean, because unless you called, because even if you had called a plumber to, yeah, uh, right. to fix it, yes. the plumber may not be able to come yes. unless you paid, yes. Yes. you know, extra to exactly. have him come in the first 24 hours exactly. that you might have had to wait to the end of the week to have the plumber show up for the gurgling yes. toilet, yes. you know, because uh, that is yes. even in the plumber, yes. plumbing world that if they were doing a triage in terms of jobs, mm-hmm. the gurgling toilet is probably not going to get. That's a low that, priority. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly, Julie, if I was her, I would assume that I was working on it. And that's exactly what the scenario was. In right. fact, I wasn't working on it. I was just trying to figure <laughs> out, I was tr- trying to figure out what to do. So here's what I did. And it all worked out fine. I did, again, trying to, like, channel millennial skills. Uh, I watched a YouTube video. Good for you, Liz. (laughs) Good for you. That's what I did. I'm proud of you. I was hoping you'd say that. I watched. Do you know there are a lot of YouTube videos about how to fix a a toilet handle? You can get any number of people can explain to you how to do this. So I watched it. It seemed like it was within my skill set. I went over to the Busy Bee. I took my handle out, removed the handle. Took it over to the Busy Bee, which is the hardware store on Santa Monica Boulevard. You've probably been there with mom, like super old school hardware yes, store. Yes, I, I love that place. I love that place. <laughs> it's yeah. like the last great old hardware store in America. The Busy Bee, I held up the handle. Is that I need to replace this. They gave it to me. The whole thing, it took me less than a minute to actually do. Uh, so I'm, I give myself high scores on that. But, you know, it was just more that the... The neighborly understanding of, okay, we're working on this. Now, you actually don't need to call me every time I flush my toilet. I'm right. not, I'm not right. thinking that you need to do that. Am I wrong? Is it unreasonable? Not me? unreasonable, Liz. Okay. Not unreasonable. All right. That's all. That's all I wanted to say. That's <laughs> Okay. Now you have new plumbing skills, Liz. I'm yes. proud of you. I'm I do. <laughs> I'm proud of you. The okay, let's move on to a Tuesday. Yes, trend. we have to get to a, a big trends Tuesday trends. I, I understand kinda... what you know. What you and Leah have always done on the Tuesday show is trends, and so I was just thinking about what could I bring forward that would be useful. Especially here we are in the the end of summer, going into Indian summer time of year, and that's when I saw this story in the New York Times Magazine, Julie. It's called. How to Sleep in a Tree. <laughs> and I thought, that is so interesting that they are actually writing a story about how to sleep in a tree. Because when I was in Bend last month, I heard about a trend uh, that relates to this issue. The apparently hammocking is a trend, or at least it is among the kids in Bend, Oregon. Have you heard about the hammocking no, no. trend? No, what is that? What is exactly does that well, mean? Well, you know, all the friends who are, instead of spending the night at each other's house, they string up hammocks in the backyard and people are, they just, the kids are all sleeping in the backyard on hammocks though. Not, <laughs> not camping, but hammocking. Okay. So, so you Is can that make- comfortable? I, I mean, I don't think I've ever slept in a hammock for any <laughs> length of time. I can't, well, I thought it sounded like that could be delightful until I read this story about how to sleep in a tree. It sounds awful. It just <laughs> sounds like maybe you have, maybe when you're 16, this is a good idea. But uh, let me take you through a couple of the steps, and then you can tell me if you're going to get this in okay. uh, before before your summer ends. Okay, tip number one is start low to the ground, right? That, that, <laughs> that, that, that would be sense. good. And this, 
Yeah. And this is all provided by a guy named Andrew Joslin, uh, who regularly slept in a hammock in his Boston backyard. Uh, so, but here's where it starts. So that's number one, start loaded ground. Number two, if you intend to sleep 15 feet off the ground or higher, first learn to climb safely. <laughs> okay. Good. Good sure. tip, Andrew. Okay. Learning to climb. So you need to learn to climb. Number three, Here's what you're going to need to, like, sleep in a tree, Julie. You're going to need 150 feet of arborist rope, a harness, a helmet, carabiners, a special tree-sleeping hammock, or a a lightweight platform called a portal ledge. Like, you see rock climbers and mountain climbers on that sometimes. So that's, okay. That Already, that sounds not fun. That's a lot of equipment. Well, people like sports with equipment, Liz. I mean, that, you know, that's, for some people, it's all about the equipment. Okay. I can see that this trend could catch on, you know, that you could just have all these carabiners and the helmet and the the sporty uh, hammock, you know, you could, you could just do, you could just, that, that would be very satisfying for a lot of people. Okay. Well, number four, Julie, is before you ascend, check the weather because you really don't want to be dozens of feet off the ground in the dark during high winds or lightning. So again, this is just getting more fun as we go down the steps. Uh, Number five, you need... You need to assess the tree's health because if you like tie yourself to dead limbs, that's not, not a good strategy, Julie. Limbs uh, fall down all the time. I, I'm very vigilant to all the trees here in Texas and limbs are coming down all over the place here, Liz. Okay. So well, that could be a real issue. Just and, tell me, where is the bathroom when you sleep? Oh, wait, I'm getting to that. I, I'm okay. getting to that. There's another tree health related issue because as you climb, Andrew tells you to remain alert because you need to be not only listening for wildlife that might be living in the tree, but listen for the telltale buzz indicating a bee swarm or a wasp hive. <laughs> Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, now I'm really Okay. Out. So now you've got your 150 feet of rope. You've got your harness. You've got your helmet. You've got your carabiners. You've got your hammock or your platform, right? So now you have to get your actual supplies. So you have to take along water, food, a sleeping yeah. bag, a headlamp, and a container to urinate in. <laughs> in the hammock? In the hammock. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Okay. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just doing the, uh, I don't understand how that works yeah. for, for a girl. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't <laughs> and just a, a last couple of tips, because I know you're getting ready to do this now. I know. He, I know. he suggests to you, always keep your harness and rope on while you're asleep. Oh, you I know. Because you could just drift off and uh, roll right off that thing. Yeah. So you're really dangling in a thin nylon cocoon. <laughs> So, but he said, prepare to feel sedated, that there is something about slumber in a tree that goes back to our DNA as great apes, he believes. Uh, So just, you know. That's appealing, Liz, to have deep slumber. You know, I, there's some nights I would do anything (laughs) and maybe climbing a tree is part of it. Yes. To get a good night's sleep. Climbing a tree to sleep in it. You know, one of his most special nights uh, he spent a night 190 feet up in a giant sequoia. And here's the thing about sleeping in a tree, Julie. He says, in a tree, you never rush out of bed. You open your eyes and you just lie there. 
<laughs> and scream. <laughs> <laughs> so how to sleep in a tree. If you want to get in on the hammocking trend, okay, uh, we'll, we'll put these tips. These The handy-dandy way to hammock uh, will be at SatelliteSisters.com. <laughs> that is hilarious. I, I don't know which of those things is more terrifying. The height, the darkness, the bees, <laughs> the bats, the weak limbs, or... Or, or urinating into a container. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't say. I can't say. <laughs> Well, Liz, I think we need to end on a happy note. Okay, we know this. We know this uh, from the beginning, but now there's research. It's out that, you know, dogs' brains, they've been doing some research on dogs' brains, and I I think it's all fine work when they're working, you know, uh, researching with dogs. Sure. And that they now realize that uh, dogs process words that they hear in the same part of their brain that we process words in our brains. So dogs, they do care what we say and how we say it, that they have some mental ability to process language. And so when you're praising Ferris, when you're telling him he's a good boy, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you're scolding Ferris, mm-hmm. they can tell the difference, both right. in terms of the words and the intonation. So I think this is all yeah. good. Yeah. It's not surprising. Right, because I know when I say to him, okay, you stay here, I'm going to work, he, yeah, he just stays there. He stays, yeah, he he he, can process that. mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. they still cannot talk, Liz. That is, (laughs) I know, Liz. That's the part that's heartbreaking. (laughs) So it's good. They're listening, but they can't respond. Yeah. Uh, All right, well. Next week, I will share an update on the book I'm reading now. You know the fabulous Susan Casey. She has been on Satellite Sisters multiple times. She wrote that great book about sharks. Oh, yes. And she wrote another great book about big waves and the big surfers who surf the big waves. Well, her new book is called Voices in the Ocean. I think it's called that. I don't have it in front of me. But And it's about dolphins, Julie. And it's about the super skills of the dolphins. And see, the thing about dolphins, as opposed to dogs, is that dolphins do talk. They (laughs) actually, there is research, I will prep myself better for next week, that they listen to humans and they mimic humans and they will say words back to humans. How about that? That's good, Liz. (laughs) But I'd rather still have a A talking dog. dog. I'd rather have a talking dog. Just, Just a couple of words. Doesn't have to say much. So well, maybe anyway. we'll get a how-to uh, article in the Times about how to train your uh, your dog to talk. Okay. They, they do have how to train a rat, which I wasn't interested in. Oh and no. How to read lips? Not interested. You might want might want to try this one: how to pass a CIA background check. That's one of them. Okay. But I only read the how to sleep in a tree because that's all I was interested in. Um, okay. Wow. All right. Oh, we did. That's quite a bit, Liz. Happy Tuesday. On a Tuesday, quite a bit. (laughs) Very productive, Liz. Got anything going on the rest of this week? I'm telling you, Liz, just embracing the last bit of summer as much as I can. Uh, That's really my my theme for the week because I just have a twinge of sadness. You know, I'm happy about fall coming, but summer is my favorite season. So that's it. All right. Well, uh, we got to get going. And if there's ever, ever any shows you want to listen to, they're all at iTunes and at Stitcher. Uh, if you're at either of those places, if you subscribe, you'll always get our new shows. And while you're there, if you could rate our show or review our show, that is really helpful to our ranking. Also, we have a whole searchable audio archive 
at SatelliteSisters.com. If you just go there and click on listen to the shows, that's where I found like the classic of all classics, Julie, you, the slobbery tennis ball and the stranger, which I reposted over the weekend. That's, That's a funny show. That is all a, the sisters are funny. Funny, funny. Funny show. So if you haven't listened to The Mystery of Julie, The Slobbery Ball, and The Stranger, uh, I think you're going to want to do that. And, of course, there's a dog involved. Uh, so I posted, I hope that your dog, Zorro, doesn't mind that I posted a photo of him um, on our Facebook page yesterday just so that people could see the dog at the center of the big mystery. Yeah, now yeah, it's a cute picture. He's wearing a little cowboy hat. He's <laughs> looking kind of jaunty. <laughs> All right, well, everyone, have a good week. We are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. 